the thing I always come back to when I'm sitting there and I'm being human and I'm just like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? Or why am I going through this? Or what is this? And I always have to go back to those times in my life where it hasn't made sense until it made sense in a really beautiful way. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer, a slow living apparel and lifestyle brand. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having constantly in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm. One that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. Come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have a very special episode that's going live on a very special day. And I will begin by saying, happy 30th birthday to you, Emma. Yay! I love my birthday. It's so fun that this is my actual birthday, March 5th. So that's when this is coming out, and that's my real birthday, and I just love my birthday. (laughs) So welcome. (laughs) Do you have a favorite birthday memory? Yeah, I have so many good birthday memories because I'm a birthday diva. And so I'm so, every time it's my birthday, it's just going to be the best day no matter what. So I've always had great birthdays. But a really funny one that I love is the year that I assigned you to be my birthday DJ for when I came down the stairs for school. I wanted entrance music. (laughs) And it was the Winnie the Pooh album. Yeah. I've always loved music and like I've had vibes like music is a vibe so even what was that I was seven or eight I don't know I, I think eight I, that's a guess <laughs> but yeah I remember that you came down the stairs to yeah. the Winnie the Pooh theme song <laughs> it, it was great <laughs> yes <laughs> that was a fun one yeah it it, it just doesn't seem possible First of all, you're my youngest child, so the idea that it's been 30 years since the day you were born, it just blows my mind. And the other thing is, it seems like no time at all since I was 30 myself, which was actually even before you were born. It is so fresh in my mind. It, it's almost like I can just reach out and touch it. Like if I just get really quiet for a minute, I can be there. It is really a, a very fresh memory. What was going on in your life when you turned 30? What was that like? Well, when I turned 30, I had one baby already. Your brother, John, was almost a year old. I was already a dedicated stay-at-home mom. And my days were filled with house and home and family building. I had a great little community of other young moms. We got together a lot. It was fun. We lived in Roanoke, Virginia, in this just really lovely place. It was really kind of slow living back then when I think about it. It was a sweet time and I was really happy. Were there things that you felt like you had given up to do that, to be where you were? Because if you were, you know, I guess 28 or 29 when you had John, that was like younger than I am now. And so it's weird for me to be like, oh, if I had a baby right now, there's so many things I couldn't do. (laughs) Well, I had stopped working after I became a mom, but that felt like the best decision for me. And I, I never really looked back on that. There were definitely things that I had dreamed of doing as a young person. I always wanted to write ever since I was a child. And yes, that was a voice that was always murmuring in the background of things. But during those early motherhood years, it was really busy and fulfilling. And I really wasn't conflicted about it then. It was later on that that voice started speaking louder. And by then, I was at a stage of life that I was more able to listen to it and act on it, and and I did. But that's a different conversation, really. It's your 30th birthday, and so today, 
you get to go solo on this episode with a couple of very special guests. Yes. Yes. This episode was a really fun one to record. It was actually your idea, which was a great idea to reach out to Krista and Lindsay from Almost 30. Since we worked with them last fall, and we've gotten to know them a bit. And for those of you that don't know, Almost 30 is a lifestyle podcast that Krista and Lindsay started four years ago as a place to explore everything that goes into the transition from your 20s to your 30s and what that means today. And it has since evolved into so much more now that they're beyond 30 now. Uh, They have a thriving online community and their show still talks about everything from wellness to spirituality, even aliens. And so they're really fun and they so generously bring you into their world and they really just feel like two close friends, if, even if you're just a podcast listener. Yeah, they are really fun. And even though I am not almost 30, I am well past 30. Maybe we should start a podcast called Well Past 30. <laughs> well Past 30. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for the idea. And I love these girls and their open energy and I've learned really a lot from them and I really appreciate their affirmation of us and they're just really kind of great cheerleaders and and yeah they're so positive they really are just really are it's it's great knowing them they also loved the idea of recording this birthday episode with me so that's what we did and it was so fun to talk to them honestly I've kind of been just really caught up in work and planning for the year and problem solving everything that this year threw at us uh, this past year. And I just really hadn't given myself the space to sit down and think about turning 30 and how I felt about that until this conversation, which as you'll hear, my feelings (laughs) about turning 30 have been pretty mixed and I've had a little anxiety around it. But as you'll hear and as the conversation goes on, talking to these two and hearing their perspectives was actually really uplifting and affirming. And as I sit here recording this now, I can honestly say that I feel really good and ready and even excited about being 30. So tell me, what do you feel excited about? Well, First of all, I'm so, so excited about Lady Farmer. I've spent the later part of my 20s working on this project with you, and it honestly hasn't been until recently that it's actually felt like a real thing, like it might be something that can work, and it really does use my skills and challenge me in all the best ways. And, you know, and anyone listening who's, started anything knows that in a startup it's a total wild west feeling for the first few years and uh, you have to be all in but it's also so hard to believe that whole time you know that it could actually work so having a project like that in your 20s kind of works because it's kind of what you're doing in your 20s you know your life is kind of a startup then there's something about turning 30 that's like okay, now you're supposed to be settled and have it all figured out. And so, yeah, that that's weird. <laughs> well, do you feel like that? No, I don't feel like that. And I think what I feel now is that that's okay and that's not a bad thing. And I don't know if anyone feels like they have it all figured out. So that's a lot what we talk about in this episode. And as someone who's had a lot of passions and potential career paths even just in the last decade. I was really excited to talk to Krista and Lindsay about their own paths and their experiences with that and we talk a lot about rejection and things not working out and how it usually always means that something better is in store and in my case it's been Lady Farmer really. I really loved hearing you all talk about your various dreams and the paths you've taken to get to what you're doing now and All of you shared how you've all sort of taken this idea about rules and programming and thrown it out the window to rewrite these things for yourselves. And I also love to hear you talk about your roots and being rooted as well as, of course, what the good dirt means to them and to you. You also share a lot about your personal journey with acting and performing. Yes. So this is something that is really personal to me. And it's something that I haven't really talked about a lot here because 
uh, I guess a part of me is still kind of embarrassed by it in some way or, you know, it's it's a funny thing to be involved in because it's a strange way to measure success. Um, but that's all a part of the journey as I'm realizing. And it does feel good to talk about my acting journey and my dreams, which is really my main other passion in my life. It, it feels good to talk about it here on Lady Farmer. So I'm happy to share it with everyone. Do you think there's a connection between your passion for being in front of people, the performing and the acting that's been a part of your whole life? You've always expressed interest in that from a little girl. Do you think there's a connection between that and what you do at Lady Farmer, particularly here on The Good Dirt? Oh, yes, all the way. So much. And not only here on The Good Dirt and with Lady Farmer as in like, you know, photos and videos and just expressing myself outwardly. But I also think in being a leader of a team and believing in myself and what I have to say, you have to know how to do all those things to be a good actor. So I'm kind of like learning these things side by side, which is really cool. Something you'll also hear us talk about in this episode is how acting is really just truth telling. And in order to to tell the truth, you have to learn how to be honest with yourself, which is usually the hardest part. But once you're able to do that, it's how you're able to reach people. And reaching people and bringing them together is such an important part of Lady Farmer and this podcast in particular. Yeah, that's that's so true. And something I really appreciate about the whole theme of this episode, too, is that I think it reflects how so many of those in your generation understand, at least in some way, their individual power in changing things for the better. And you guys get it, how it's not necessarily stemming from a fancy degree or a packed resume or some outward achievements, but it's really from the inner work it takes to step out into the world as an authentic, unique human being with something real to offer. And um, I really admire how at age 30, and I don't say this lightly, I think you're so much wiser than I was at age 30. And not that, that I don't appreciate where I was at 30, but you possess a certain wisdom that I just hadn't acquired yet. I think partly it's a generational thing, but also it's you. You're just a very bright light in the world. And I'm so happy that you're my daughter. Oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna make me cry. (laughs) Well, before we get into it, one other thing I did want to mention is that we throw around this term a few times in this conversation, Saturn return. And for those of you who might not know what it is, it's a thing in astrology where, and I don't totally understand it, but basically it's where wherever Saturn is, where you're, when you're born, It takes 29 and a half years for it to come back around to that same place from where you were born. So that's called Saturn Return. So about 29 and a half years into your life, there's this phenomenon and it impacts a lot of things like there's major life pivots, changes, decisions that need to be made. And it's a time to get really real and honest because it's kind of like a return to yourself in a way, like a return to the place where you were meant to be and where you were born into the world. So it's a really beautiful opportunity and it's really big. And there's actually one that happens between the ages 57 and 60. And I think whether or not you are someone who ascribes to astrology, it's something we can all relate to. It's just like a big moment in our time. So according to that, Starting Lady Farmer came about at my second Saturn return, right about that time. That's really interesting. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're meant to do. <laughs> well, I do recognize this as a combination of a lot of different things for me, but wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. So without any further ado, I'll turn it over to Kristen and Lindsay and let them introduce themselves and tell their own stories and just bare my soul here for everyone <laughs> about what it means to turn 30 to me and you can kind of listen through my own journey sort of through the conversation so I'm excited to share it with you and I'll turn it over to you as you take your first solo flight as host on the good dirt so fly little bird you've earned your wings (laughs) thanks mom (laughs) 
Yeah, so I was, I moved to New York about six months after I graduated from college. And yeah, my intention there was to pursue my acting career. I really wanted to be on Broadway. And so uh, starting in college, I was bartending and doing all of the side gigs to make me that cash money so I could live in New York and audition during the day. And so, yeah, I was in New York for about four and a half, five years, and during which time I had a lot more side jobs, very odd jobs. And one of those towards the end was SoulCycle. And SoulCycle is like an indoor cycling brand that for me was like my escape and honestly what woke me up in the morning so that I could audition and work on my pursuit of that after like a a night of working until like 4 a.m. So I was loving SoulCycle and was approached to audition. And I was like, no, I don't have time. There's no way. I don't even know how I would do that. And they just said, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Just do it. So I auditioned. I ended up making it. I ended up training for 10 weeks, five days a week, five hours a day. I became an instructor. And three months later, after instructing for those three months in the suburbs of New York, they asked me to move to LA to open up a new studio in Newport Beach, California. And I didn't even hesitate. I said, yes, this was during my Saturn return. So this time during your late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, well, there's usually a big life event that just kind of makes you look at your life and get really serious about what's working and what's not. And so New York wasn't working for me anymore. And I also allowed it to just kind of like overtake me. Um, And so California sounded great. And I had always dreamed of moving to LA. And so I did. A month later, I was in LA. And a year later, I met Krista actually through SoulCycle. Yeah. So when Lindsay and I met, I was auditioning to be an instructor. I was like, I wanted to be an instructor so bad. I just felt super called to SoulCycle. I loved the community, the energy. I loved that it was like, you're a leader, you're a teacher, and you're just facilitating this experience. So when I was in New York, I was like, oh my God, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. I auditioned. I like did all the things to audition. I got certified. I got, I lost weight. I did all, all these things. And I didn't end up getting it. And so I knew I wanted to audition again. And my fiance and I were moving to Los Angeles from New York, just because we had felt like our time in New York was done. And a friend of mine connected me with Lindsay because they knew that Lindsay was an instructor and they knew that I was auditioning again when I moved to Los Angeles. And so Lindsay and I met on FaceTime and we had this like great conversation and she supported me in my second audition to be an instructor. I didn't get it. I didn't get my second audition for SoulCycle, but I was connected with Lindsay. And, you know, we just started this friendship and started to have these really beautiful conversations about our transition from our 20s to our 30s. And eventually, after a few months of being friends, so pretty quick after being friends, we decided to start a podcast. And um, we created this show on our closet floors. We recorded for about seven months, just all of the stuff we were going through, we put on the microphone and eventually we launched the show. And so it was really just birthed from, you know, our intimate conversations and this true desire to learn and to grow and to really support one another or one another in our conversations and in our vulnerability. I I really love this idea of auditioning and that it's such a big part of both of your stories. And funny, Lindsay, I want to be a Broadway actress. I could totally um, see, that. I see it done. Spend all of my non-lady farmer time in voice lessons. I've danced my whole life. I'm working with coaches. Yeah, I'm like trying to do that. But I'm like almost 30, right? I'm well, when this comes out, I'll be 30. <laughs> but this is yeah, my the beginning of my Saturn return. It's a childhood dream I've always wanted, but I really intentionally when I was in college, I like wanted to go to like normal college and not do it right away. Whereas now in my like late 20s, when I'm like, I really want to do that. Why didn't I just freaking go to college for it? All of this, like reckoning with the the choices you make or whatever for better or for worse, which I truly believe it's all for better. There's a deep part of me that knows like this is my path and it's totally fine and whatever. But yeah, I started when I was, I guess, 26 or 27 was when I was first like, okay, I have these skills. I want to do this. I'm going to go to auditions. And I was here in DC. And um, I, when I was a kid, auditions were like so easy for me. And I would go in a room and I would just like be myself right away. 
And I guess whatever life happens to you in your late teens and 20s, I'd lost that skill or whatever. It's the auditions are the weirdest thing to put your heart on the line and ask for approval from other people. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm still in the middle of it. I'm still doing auditions and I'm still like so deer in the headlights every time. I don't, I haven't figured it out yet, but I, I'm just like now realizing this, that it's such a good like metaphor for, I guess, like turning 30 and growing up and figuring out what, how to be in the room is like really how to show up for yourself and as your whole self. And it's work, like it's real work. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing me back. I, um, I relate so deeply to that. And, you know, looking back, you know, I'm not really in that world anymore, but I know that if it ever comes back around that I will absolutely approach being in the room very differently. So, you know, back then it was so much about, I hope they pick me. Gosh, I hope this is the one, like, what can I do to be what they actually want? And being in hundreds, maybe thousands of rooms over the years for commercial, for Broadway, for, you know, one act play, for whatever, you know, you just realize that, sure, there is the preparation, there is the training, there is the understanding of what generally needs to be done in that room. But there is also, you know, something very specific that they want. And like most of the time it wasn't me and I wasn't going to deny who I was in that room any longer to be what people needed. And I think it's a fine line because you're reading a script and you're like reading the breakdown. But I do believe that the more that you can be yourself in those rooms, the better experience you will have, the more rewarding the process will be. Because I think that comfort in who you are is felt more than getting the lines right. You know, like it's just so palpable when someone walks in a room and they are just so themselves. It, it, it could make a casting director's day. Even if you're not right for the part, it's like, damn, mm-hmm. they're themselves. And it really, it wore on me to not be myself in those rooms for so long. And to your point about being like really deer in headlights and nervous, that is so real. And I think for me, I got so nervous because I'm like, how do I not be myself in this moment? And I would just get nervous. I'm like, I don't know. How to, I don't know. What do they, you know, it, it would just be so far outside of myself that I felt disoriented. I felt ungrounded. So I just totally feel you. I totally, totally feel you. And just know that you have a light and a spirit that will actually inspire casting directors to what the role could be more of. So instead of just serving exactly what they're going to give you on the breakdown, and it's actually like the way that you approach the character from your heart and your soul and your experience might actually inspire them when they see it and see something about the character that they created that they haven't discovered yet. Yeah, I love that. And I'm also like learning how helpful it is to like fall on your face and hear no and stuff. And, And that makes me think of you, Krista, like what if you had become a soul cycle instructor what if that audition had gone the way that you tried so hard to make it go you know it's like gives me chills no it's true yeah it's it's wild and it's the thing I always come back to when I'm sitting there and I'm being human and I'm just like oh my god why is this happening to me or why am I going through this or what is this and I always have to go back to those times in my life where it hasn't made sense until it made sense in a really beautiful way and Yeah, the process of auditioning too, you know, I've had that audition and then very few things like that's definitely your guys's vein and just wanted to say that the energy of the experience is not natural, (laughs) you know, it's not natural at all and it's almost torturous and so as far as my experience with the soul cycle process, I found it incredibly uncomfortable to audition. I know that I'm qualified and I would, I would do a great job, but the whole thing really tripped me up. And so without those two failures of something I was really driven to do, I was obsessed with it. I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't have this really full life. And I feel like soul cycle is incredible, but for me and my body, it probably would have had a shelf life of a few years. And with what we're doing now, it's like, I can build a life forever that I love. That's such a gift. Mm-hmm. So tell me what turning 30 was like for each of you 
And I know that you have couched in the context of this beautiful project that you're doing together. And it's such a big part of your identity still, even though you're not 30 anymore. Yeah, I, I was really excited to turn 30. I was excited to just enter that decade. I was done with my 20s. I felt like my 20s, you know, was that just like reaching for what? You know, like reaching so far outside of myself for the answers, for the validation, for, yeah, so much. And I think 30, because I had already started my Saturn return, I was already in LA. I was in the middle of a very long season of being single. And I think it was, you know, it was really around 30 actually that I started to get to know myself on a deeper level rather than trying to find a partner or, you know, do all the things. I turned inward finally. And I just, I literally started to date myself and appreciate not only how far I've come, but the potential in where I am going, both in career, in relationship, and just as a human being. So I was just really excited. I, I recommitted to myself, it felt like. And then a couple of years later, I did reconnect with my now partner. And I feel like it was that time around 30 that where I got very serious about this time with myself. And that actually made what I'm experiencing now in my relationship possible. You know, that clear communication, that sense yeah. of self, yeah. that being in my own energy and experience rather than taking on that of the other and just being in communion with someone in a growth focused relationship is very new to me, but I think I, I understood the power of it when I was with myself and focusing on that growth. And so you were genuinely ready to turn 30 you weren't like oh I'm gonna be 30 and I haven't done this and that I was so excited I was like get me the <laughs> fuck out of my 20s please like my 20s was hard for me I was struggling in New York I was broke as hell I was just doing the most for very little mm -hmm. and yeah just finding validation in all the wrong places and I was just ready I was like kind of sick of what I've been doing and so I, I kind of treated 30 as the turning point and I think for, for me turning 30, I remember I posted something and I remember on my 30th birthday, I think I posted, I spent 30 years figuring out who I wanted to be. And on, when I turned 30, I became that person. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this. And of course that person comes and goes, like, I'm not always that person that I profoundly try to be, but I just remember feeling like I was so deeply grateful that I had actually found my purpose and that I was actually living a life that felt like it fit for who I was. Being an entrepreneur is something that I was born to do. It's not easy, but it's made for me. Being in the space that we're in is something I've been deeply passionate and interested in for my whole life. Spirituality has been the common thread and the most interesting thing to me about my existence. And I just couldn't believe that I had actually been able to you know, quit my full-time job, build this with Lindsay, tour the world and just do everything we were doing. So I just remember I was just so excited about the life that I had built and the direction that I was going because I didn't know if I was ever going to find my thing. I didn't know if I was ever going to find my purpose or find such meaning in my life that I have now. So I just remember I was so excited and deeply grateful that I had, you know, discovered that. And I found that each year kept getting better for me in my 20s. I had hard times for sure, but I felt more comfortable with who I was. So I was ready for 30. I was like, you know, it's just going to feel if, if it's going to keep going in this trajectory where I keep becoming more of the person that I want to be, then bring it on. Hearing, especially Krista, you say like, finally becoming the person who you wanted to be and like really feeling that I, I think what I'm feeling is like, I haven't given myself permission to stop and appreciate where I am and like love myself for all that I've done as opposed kind of like you were saying Lindsay about finding validation in all the wrong places I think it's like a combo of that and I think I'm right up here against the finish line of my 20s and a part of me isn't ready to cross the threshold because I feel like there's still things I need to like do before I'm 30 and part of me a very deep old lady part of me knows that like this is the number I'm already 30, 80, I'm already all the ages. But I think that part of me that's anxious is the part of me that I like, I'm holding on to so tightly, which is this outside validation or 
something. What's interesting is I, I'm curious if you got an amazing role, like you'd probably be like, heck yeah, my life 30, bring it on. Like, this is amazing. But that's really something that's out of your control a lot of times. Yeah. And so it's really hard to always live in that limbo period of that. And I feel for you. And, and the timing thing is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, approaching a seemingly landmark age and it's like by this age. So do you have this idea that you should have certain boxes checked by the age of 30? Totally. And like these deep seated things that I would never even, I I don't actually believe, you know, when you're little, you're like, Oh, I'm going to be 30. I'm a three kids. Just like little things that you bury. And you're like, where did that come from? Like, I'm not that person. So yeah, there's those things. Maybe I just need to take inventory and dismiss them. I haven't done that yet. I don't know. I do think it's both self-imposed, but then it's just like in everything that we consume, watching the rom-coms and the reality TV about freaking 90 day fiance. I don't know, like just certain things that like kind of plant these ideas in our minds. This should happen by this certain age. And if it doesn't like even, sorry, this is a, a side note, but actually relevant, even on the bachelor season with Claire and Dale. So Claire was a little bit older. And there was kind of uh-huh. this thing yes. around it. Gross. And I was mm-hmm. like, gross. Eh, no, this is yeah. not, not what we should be consuming and 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 really sending to people in in messaging. And I was yeah. just so bummed by that. And then, you know, she was kind of made out to be like this woman, this 38-year-old woman who, you know, just was like desperate to find love. And it's like, you know, I I, I think it's a really good thing to reflect on. And also, like, I know it's cheesy, but even being 33 now, I'm like, whoa, like certain things that I wanted so badly at 25, mm-hmm. I honestly mm-hmm. would not have been able to handle at 25. Mm-hmm. And and I've like received it now, like thinking about if I met my partner at 25, mm-hmm. it would just be a whole other game. I wouldn't even be able to receive it. I wouldn't be able to, you know, maintain this relationship in the way that I know that I could. So I just Mm -hmm. find the trust and the timing of our lives to be so powerful, you know, and there are ways like practices that we can do to reiterate that. I think that's really beautiful, whether it's like prayer or meditation or journaling or affirmations. I know we hear it all the time, but I do think it's really powerful to kind of combat this constant messaging in social media, the media, et cetera. I mean, think about how deeply programmed that is for you about being a kid walking into a room and you were like, when I was younger, I was really good at auditions. That's even your little girl being like, well, when I was younger, I was good, but I'm now not. Cause yeah. that was programmed within you where it was like, oh my God, I did a good thing. I did good at my audition or I did good. Yes. You really probably are running from that program of validation, you know, that we all have. Mine's just different. It doesn't look like me walking into audition room. It looks like a little bit something yeah. else, but I think that's where the work of in your late twenties and early thirties, the work becomes very clear. It's like, what programs are running for me? You know, what programs are mm-hmm. sort of creating my reality that I'm in, whether it's looking for validation or feeling like you're not enough or issues with your body, whatever it is. And I think that's where we really understand how we can subconsciously reprogram through meditation or whatever it is to just support us in the future. Cause we, you know, a lot of that stuff is not totally in reality. You know, it's like you're great at auditions. It's not the right role, you know? So I was just thinking about that when you were talking. What do you (laughs) love most about acting and performing? I love the collaboration aspect. I love working with there's a piano player and there's people singing different parts and then there's dance steps. I love everything coming together. I love the energy exchange. Like I love live theater for that reason. And then like really personally, just I guess the experiences, especially from when I was younger, I just really could be myself. That's like the only place where I felt like I could really be myself was on stage or and then I guess the flip side of that is that's where I got all of my validation. So that's where I felt approval maybe. And that's where I felt valued. If you're on stage, you're like, this is me and my truth. Or is it you getting the most validation because that's your yeah. programming, you know, like. I think that, yeah, that's such a good part to pick apart. Maybe the freedom of expression because it is free. It's like kind of this bigger than mm-hmm. life expression mm-hmm. I started to notice, I was like, whoa, I could be doing that in my everyday, mm-hmm. like off stage. Mm-hmm. I could be more expressive. I could mm-hmm. be more of myself. 
kind of taking elements of what you feel on the stage and really infusing it into your everyday. Not to say that like, I want you to pursue whatever you want to pursue. You know, we can pick those things that feel so good, that collaboration piece, that exchange of energy and actually infuse it off the stage too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of course you're always chasing, you're not chasing a thing, you're chasing a feeling, right? All the time. So that's a good one. You attach what you think will give you that feeling and then you chase that thing and then... Yes. Have you seen the movie Salt? No, I haven't watched it yet. You should. This that reminds me of Salt. Okay, that's on the list. I think too, you realize in your early 20s, you have these ideas of what life is going to be like. Like for me, I was like, I'm going to be an executive. I'm going to be a CEO at a company, which I am now. But I was thought I was going to be like some like high heel wearing person and like boardrooms and stuff. And then I thought I'd have kids by 28. I thought I'd be married. I thought I'd be all these things. And as you get older, you're like, oh, none of that's happening and it's okay. You know, none of that's happening. And that if I had kids when I was younger, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Or if I would have got that job when I was 25, I probably wouldn't have been able to start Lady Farmer with my mom. You know, you kind of think through, okay, this is why everything happens back to our beginning conversation before the show started about how thankful I was that I didn't get soul cycle. What do you guys think about roots and what are your roots and where do you feel rooted and how do you feel rooted? I love this Lady Farmer question. I'm pausing because I don't know if I feel rooted a lot of times. I feel like Los Angeles is the best, but it's also a desert. So the whole city's built on barren desert. So it's never really stable. You're never really stable in Los Angeles because there's never really, there's not a lot of opportunity for roots because it's so dry. So I've never felt super rooted, although in my mind and my heart, I feel really rooted here, but from my feet perspective or from like a sacral, I don't feel super rooted. I think meditation helps me feel rooted. Maybe wherever I am as rooted as I can. And I'm someone that really lives in my head. And so being mindful of when I do feel like I'm in my head, when I do feel like I've sort of left my body and I can bring my energy back through my Reiki practice, just back through to make me feel rooted on the ground. But whenever we travel, I think if we're on tour or if we're, you know, doing anything, we usually do try and get our feet outside and really just put our soles of feet on the ground, whether it's in the desert or whether it's in by the beach. Cause I feel like that's been really helpful just to sort of acclimate our energy to the energetic imprint of nature, wherever we are. But I really do work on being more rooted. I think it's something that I actually see as a skill that I could be better at and that I really seek to do better. I relate to that a lot. Yeah, nature is one surefire way where I can kind of disconnect from the constant messaging and chatter of social media and just information coming in. And I think I get I get pretty unrooted or ungrounded when I'm taking in too much because sometimes my filtration system is a little weak and I tend to like let more in than I can actually process and then I get confused and then I don't trust myself. So in nature, I just feel deeply connected to one, which is like God. And, you know, whether it's taking a walk on the beach, going on a hike, being in, I mean, the forest near the trees, deeply rooted. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly working on it. I, yeah, just have a propensity to look at those who are rooted around me and be like, hmm, whose roots should I take on today? You know? So I, I, I'm really, I'm really working on that in all of my relationships. Do you feel like you have roots where you came from or like your childhood and are they like relevant and important or do you let them go? I, this is like a lifelong thing for me. I moved kind of in the middle of growing up and I'm like super attached and nostalgic to a lot of things from childhood, but I'm also learning going into this new big birthday how important it is to like shed things but also I don't know that's a a conflict that I have I think for me what I've seen growing up in Ohio was and this is truly my experience and my perspective so it's coming from my lens as an offering but I've seen people use the roots and like the analogy of home to manipulate people into controlling them and doing what they want so like parents Mm -hmm who love their kids so much that they enmesh with them and they want to control them or family members that want to control or enmesh with people will be like, you know, don't forget about where you came from or like you've changed or, you know, remember us when you blah, blah, blah. And I just, I've never been a person that really felt deeply rooted to my home or to even my family. And although it has its downfall, it has really enabled me to just 
evolve as I go, you know, evolve to the future. And I've never wanted to really root to my past because I want to be more of who I am rather than the person I was when I was growing up in Ohio. So I'm not one that ever felt like I needed to have roots or I have roots or I really cared about where I came from. And I think that's not the best, but it's just sort of my experience. Yeah. I think for me, it's similar where I have like a lot of emotional roots with my family and I just have this kind of enmeshment there that, you know, isn't always healthy. And so I'm really working on actually growing my own roots and having my family see that and almost changing the family system a little bit. Yeah. You know, because I think I've been playing to like the old family system and patterns. And I'm really now focused on creating my own life, always welcoming my family to be a part of it if they want to, but I'm just like more focused on creating my own roots. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I love the first version of roots we were talking about, about how being rooted and like rooting is kind of a daily and seasonal and like situational practice. My favorite phrase in the world is wherever you go, there you are. So really you can be as much of a root or a home if you are comfortable, you know, in your own skin. What does cultivating a better world look like for you guys personally? And almost 30, maybe it's the same thing. I think lately I've been just thinking about where I'm spending my money. Mm. You know, and we're so lucky with Almost 30, we are introduced to and exposed to brands that are really changing the world and how they operate as a business and, you know, the types of products they create while also thinking about the environment and the supply chain and how that affects people and the earth. So... I just feel really lucky to be exposed to brands like that. And so I've been just thinking about what am I spending my money on, especially on like a weekly basis. So is it, you know, Amazon is hit, you know, and how is that affecting things? And am I investing in small businesses? Am I looking at where they are sourcing, you know, how they make the product? So just being a bit more mindful about that because, you know, we think as individuals, we can't make a difference on a global scale, but that's how the difference starts. You know, it's very much these little shifts in how we live that all of a sudden become the norm. And all of a sudden we're saving rainforests again, you know? So I I don't take for granted that I can, in my small way, make a huge difference. Amen, sister. That was the right answer. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I'm like, get me on the good dirt. Yeah. I'm like, good I'm list. worried about microbiome of soil. <laughs> no, I think for me, my focus is really just to be so much of who I am that I inspire other people to do that. I don't want to basically concern myself with things that I don't actually concern myself with because then that will leave me to a point where I'm exhausted and it's not truthful. And then I give up. But outside of that, you know, just really that focus on my own work and my own expression and my own sharing of whatever I'm called to share, which is around spirituality and wellness, which hopefully leads people to understand themselves much better. And I think when we lead people to understand themselves better or to understand like what subconscious reprogramming is running in their head, that's leading them to where they are. It helps people come back to their souls and therefore to figure out their own purpose and passion And hopefully when we're all living a more purposeful and passionate life, then everyone wins because then people are really like, oh, actually, I really give a shit about saving animals. I really give a shit about the climate. I really actually give a shit about supporting my local community. And I think when we're acting more from the heart-centered space, it has such a ripple effect that is so profound and moves us less away from nefarious things and closer to things that really impact the world. And then for almost 30, you know, our goal has been to support people in their evolution and help them, you know, to feel less alone in their growth process and becoming who they are. And we do that by providing people with support through our membership and then also with episodes that hopefully inspire them and enlighten them and just help them along, you know, their evolution. Yeah. And I can attest to that y'all's show and everything you put out is it's so crazy because I don't definitely don't listen to it. 
every episode regularly, but when I do, I'm like, I need like a little bit of Chris and Lindsay today. It's like the exact right episode I need at that time. It's so weird how that works. And also, thank you for saying what you just said too, because that's been another theme of my late 20s Saturn return is kind of grappling with becoming more myself. Well, I guess it is selfish, but I'm like, that's selfish. And that's like self-obsessed to like be like that, but like totally flipping that narrative to going super deep into your roots, getting rooted, becoming more of yourself. And then even you just saying like, I want to be the most myself so that other people can. That's, that's such a balm for me to be like, yeah, okay, Chris is doing it. So it's so helpful. Yeah, be yourself. Why is that so hard? <laughs> F those casting directors. I'm going to be myself. I don't need your script. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm taking a class right now. I love it. It's also a balm. It's a Meisner acting class on Zoom, which is crazy. But the coach is awesome. And he's all about cultivating the character of yourself. And that's been a really interesting lens to work with. And then also something you were saying, Lindsay, earlier about how acting is truly like telling the truth which is so hard and like all this program, it's really like peeling back all this programming of covering shit up and acting like everything's, you know, one way when it's not, but acting is actually truth telling. (laughs) I I know. I I, I just remember, especially in classes, I felt like I was in therapy most of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is truth telling because, you know, the way in which I share a particular truth in like a scene or something is totally different than you because your experience is different. We're always pulling from right. truth. Right. So yeah, I just found that to be so fascinating. And then with almost 30, not that I feel like I'm in therapy all the time, but I do just feel like it's a constant self-study and being in, in owning a business, in being a public figure, in you know sharing the most intimate parts of our lives at times. So mm-hmm. it continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What does the good dirt mean to you, literally and or metaphorically? I think of when you're having a conversation with a friend or a partner and you like get into the conversation and you're just so in sync. It's like the good dirt. You're like, and it's not necessarily gossip, but it is just where you're completely vibing with whatever you're talking about. And it feels so synchronous that you're just deeply excited about the conversation. I just, I love that. And you both can feel it and there's nothing else but the conversation. So that's what the good dirt means to me. Oh yeah. I love that too. (laughs) It's the best. The first thing I thought of was just like experiences that seem kind of messy to be in and perhaps unclear in the moment, but like, it's kind of that, those foundational experiences that make you who you are. I just think of like a foundation where you're like planting the seed. I'm taking very literally. Do you mind? And like planting the seed. And like from that comes, you know, whatever you've planted, a flower, a freaking vegetable but it needed that time in that dirt that darkness that you know intensity in order to grow so what do you guys most want people to understand about the work that you do I want to be positive because it's because I feel like my natural inclination is to be like I want everyone to understand that this is a hard life and that having your voice out there is challenging and everyone you know blah blah Because that, you know, that is part of it. That's part of my answer is that it's actually harder than people think to put yourself out there in a really deep and intimate way on a consistent basis every single week and to make decisions you've never made. But I also want them to understand about what I do that having conversation and really being curious and being open-minded is makes a lot more change and progress than people think. And Lindsay and I try to always be people that are not coming in with an agenda. We're not coming in to try and, you know, manipulate a conversation or direct a conversation in a way. And we've had people from all sides of the spectrum on that are from all walks of life. And I think that, you know, we don't have deep experience in interviewing or media or podcasting, but just because we were open-hearted, willing to do the work and wanting to ask questions in a really genuine way, we were able to make something really beautiful. So I think people think it has to be way more complicated than it really is to feel like you're doing something very impactful. I guess for me too, it's like just not that I need to like reiterate this to people because hopefully it's felt, but Krista and I always operate from this just super heart-centered space, you know, and our intention is 
coming from a need that we had. And it's just like so human to me. Sometimes like the business aspect is hard because this is so us and so human. And so like, I just always want that to be felt because we're bringing up things that we're working through in real time. We're bringing up things that we've learned and that we hope that people can heed some lessons from or just insight for their own lives. And, you know, all of that is just from our hearts always, you know, not to say that we're not human and we have our moments. And I just find that to be so unique in my life experience. I've never like shared something with the world that is so completely heart centered in collaboration with someone else and ultimately like in collaboration with the community. Well, it's certainly a gift. It's such a gift. And I understand how hard it is. Yeah. Thank you for your gift. And thank you for being here today. I like we had the idea for this conversation, but I don't think I was I wasn't ready for all the gifts that this conversation brought me today. And I'm really excited now about turning 30. <laughs> I'm not scared about it. Yes. Honestly, I feel like, you know, when I first met you on our first call, I feel like you've just totally stepped into who you are and your voice and your confidence just feels so different. Like your energy feels so expansive. So I just want to mirror that back to you that, you know, it's just been such a pleasure to work with you and get to know you. You guys are doing something that's so important. Honestly, I don't know any brand that's like it. So thank you for all you do. And I hope you feel as on purpose as, you know, we see you to be lady farmer for life. Lady farmer. Lady farmer. <laughs> oh, give Mary a hug. Well, too. I know. Give your mom a hug. Yes. You'll love this. It's so fun to see you guys. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Happy birthday. I think all of this relates so profoundly to the good dirt because if you think of the good dirt as the fertile ground from which things grow then this sort of exploration of ourselves and our inner lives and what's going on around us and inside us is truly cultivating fertile ground for growing ourselves so Thank you so much, ladies, for exploring this together for all of us. And it was really wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. And if this is your first episode with The Good Dirt, it's a it's a fun one to, to stumble upon. But um, welcome. We definitely, it's kind of, it's a different one. So we recommend, uh, if this is your first time finding us, going back and listening to some of our stories from farmers and all kinds of people across the the good dirt and regenerative agriculture and creativity world. Um, and we're just so glad you're here and definitely share with a friend. If anything in this episode or any other episode speaks to you, uh, follow us on Instagram at we are lady farmer and we're here every Friday. So we'll see you next week.